0: hello everybody and welcome to the northeast scene podcast this is keith and tommy How's everybody doing? Today we have a special guest, Guitar Virtuoso, and a member of such legendary bands as Creationist Crucifixion and Zeo, Mr. Scott Mellinger. Woo! Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Scott, <laughs> thank you for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Yes. So we usually start by asking how everyone's doing and, you know, day to day. And, you know, everything is really fucking crazy right now. Like the the best way I saw it described was, someone tweeted, uh, you know, if you everything that happened this year, you put it into a Hollywood script and tried to pitch it, it would it would be rejected because they'd be like, no, this is too many things. You you have to pick one thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's insane. Like I did see on Twitter that somebody said we're in a Black Mirror episode, so I think we are. I, I just play it like we're in a Black Mirror episode because it's just. That's the only way I can cope. (laughs) Yeah.
0: One thing after another, Uh, you know, systemic racism rearing its ugly head. Once again, coronavirus murder hornets. They found a ghost village underwater. Who knows what's that's going to uncover. Holy (laughs) shit. And I,
2: I have been in and out of power uh, for the last three days. Really? Oh dude, we had, I, I didn't post any of the pictures because I, I really haven't had Wi-Fi until like uh, yesterday afternoon. We really got it back, um, but we had a really bad series of thunderstorms. Like uh, with the, the thunderstorms, actually weren't that bad. It was the the wind was very 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 violent, and lots of trees went down. And actually, uh, so, well, somebody posted a video of them driving down uh, sh- like right off street road, um, and it was six or seven, um, telephone poles all down right in a row. Um, so it's been, it's been kind of in and out. And then as they're like, so we got power back within the first like 36 hours. Um, but that also means like all the stuff that was in our fridge and our freezers and all that kind of stuff, a lot of things went bad. So Mm -hmm. it it was just, it's been like, (laughs) like, it's like gone from like bad to worse. And then you're just like, Okay, so what the fuck is next? Like what else could you <laughs> what could you add to this? Like, you know, we're out of the frying pan and into the fucking fire. Like, oh man.
0: So Scott, yo, tell us uh why don't we start by tell us what your life looks like in the, in the coronavirus lockdown and how you're coping day to day? Are you still in lockdown? Give so, it
1: to us. Pennsylvania did their lockdown pretty early, which I think helped a lot cuz our numbers like where I'm at didn't get like super bad, but <clears throat> bad enough. I mean, I think that's the thing that sucks. So I live sort of like in a rural, rural area. I can't even talk. Um, and what town do you live in? I North live city? in Latrobe. So it's Mr. Rogers and Arnold Palmer. That's pretty much what people know about. All right. So <laughs> Right. That's like yeah, out by yeah. Pittsburgh, so, right? Pittsburgh okay. at, is like the bigger, you know, we have Philly and Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh's like the bigger city and they had a lot of different COVID, uh, you know, not uh, deaths were bad, but I don't. I think they weren't as bad because we did shut everything down, and we had like maybe forty deaths. And I think our whole county is like three hundred thousand people. So, you know, there's this like weird to me. People don't seem to think it's so bad because we fucking locked down early. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, we were yeah. locked down yeah. mid March. So. And now we're like in this green phase where you still have to social distance. I you know wear my mask out every time I'm out because I actually give a shit and I'm not a psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of things that that have opened up now, so I'm not sure how we're going to see it play out. but I mean, all I did like my family just stayed at home. Um, one of us would go to the grocery store once a week. Uh, we did all that. You know, trying to do as much as we could, distancing from people. Um, but it was, it wasn't bad. Like I like being home. So I'm like, I don't know this. I don't even understand this whole like. Oh, I want to go to the <laughs> restaurant. Who gives a shit, man? Like you're just eating shitty food anyway. So I was just make it at home.
0: Exactly. I'm, I'm, I like this. You know, I, I like being home. I like not yeah. having the pressure of social obligations and all this stuff. I'm
1: eating better. I never had. I didn't have a problem with this now or before. <laughs>
2: No, I, I, I enjoy being home. It's nice yeah. to be like, yo, yeah, well, I got I projects to do with, I got projects to do with my kids. Like it's just, it's been, I, I know that it's, it's stressful for some people for, you know, various reasons, but, um, we have a new baby at home. She just, she just turned eight months and it's like, uh, if I was at work, I would miss. You know, 12 hours a day with her. And now it's like I get to wake her up in the morning. I get to feed her breakfast like I get to spend all day with her. It's just it's 100%. time I'll never get back. And I'm glad I'm at home with them. Like, it's just been really nice. Yeah.
1: No, I was gonna say my daughter's 11 and people will say to you like, oh, it goes by so fast. Dude, you have no fucking clue how fast it goes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well my twins are my my twin girls are six and then the baby is uh it just turned eight months so That's it's awesome. just been it's been so much fun it's just every day is fucking bike rides and sidewalk chalk yeah and, like what you know what we're made to do like yeah. what human
1: beings are actually yeah. made to do
2: scott tell us
1: yes where where did you grow up so i grew up pretty much 30 minutes from where i live now which is about 40 minutes from pittsburgh mm-hmm. um just a really small town with like nothing going on at all. So literally all I had was like toys, cartoons, and then later music.
0: (laughs) Yes. So did you learn to play guitar before you discovered like the scene and everything, or did it go the other way around?
1: Oh no, no. I played, I learned, uh, how to play like right around 11 or 12. So I got, my grandfather played guitar. Um, and, watching him play like totally interested me and then started kind of down that path. And then when I first, when I heard master of puppets, that's when I wanted to play guitar. (laughs) So, (laughs) so like I started taking lessons around 12 and all I wanted to do to to teach me was master puppets riffs. And that, you know, I took lessons for a year, but I was like, I just want to play like riffs. So I don't care. But, um, he did kind of beat some theory in me and some other stuff. So, did that, and then it wasn't until like a few years after that that I found the hardcore scene. And tell us about that. Ah, uh, well, actually, it was really unbelievable for how small and like our little town here is. Like, cause I I guess you can say like Westmoreland County, because I lived in one area and then like there were other smaller cities like Greensburg and Latrobe um places like that that had other musicians but we had a pretty awesome like little scene growing in our area um and i think the biggest reason that our scene existed was because there were actually uh, adults that owned smaller clubs all around the all around the county that were totally willing to let people play in them that's um, awesome you know what i mean so like i think a lot of places don't have the luxury or the luck to have people care enough. Cause I think a lot of people saw, you know, if you can get kids to play in bands and you can get kids to stay going to shows, you can probably keep them from doing other horrible stuff. So
0: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That, and that's how it was for us too. I was just, just the thriving hardcore scene that we had. <laughs> and, you know, one of the many reasons for starting to do this show, it, it, it just, gave me a whole life, like running around all the Northeast, driving to shows and, oh yeah. uh, helping out bands and, you know, working the door, working the merch table. It's like, I, I, it kept me away from a lot of bad things for a long time.
1: Same totally here. Like, I think, I mean, I don't know if I would have necessarily done anything like horrible. Cause I, f- I was pretty like, even in my high school years, like pretty even killed and like reasonable. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I definitely think that hardcore music, like the the scene, all that kind of stuff, you know, gave me somewhere to belong. Um, and, uh, you know, even that alienation you felt in high school, like I had a, a, a little bit more of like a feeling of self-worth because we had so many friends that played in bands and all of us, like it was like a real community. So, um, and then like when you find out like, man, there's like all these other little pockets of this everywhere. Cause this was like early on when, I mean, I obviously I'm not old enough to be in like the first generation of like New York, New York, hardcore and all that stuff. But um, like the whole metal core scene, if you even want to call it that because it's dumb. But um, (laughs) that stuff was kind of just blossoming when all of us were in because like I still Mm -hmm. do remember going to hardcore shows where like metal wasn't like really liked. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can completely understand because, you know the way we looked at the hardcore scene, like you couldn't get on like metal shows, like the hardcore scene kind of grew around here because like, okay, you had to like sell tickets and it was a pretty hard and impossible to get into the gatekeepers in Pittsburgh of metal bands. So we sound like those bands where we play more metal than hardcore, but we want to do this DIY thing that we can just do our own shows. And like, who gives a shit? Like, I don't want to deal with like selling tickets. We'll just like get a bunch of our friends to come hang out and we'll charge five bucks three bucks whatever so i think that's where a lot of it came for us because it was like the one place where you could play and kind of do it yourself
0: yeah and i didn't understand all the nuances when i was younger like i got into hardcore during like the metallic boom like <laughs> the, the the three c's were reigning supreme converge cave in oh yeah Folesque, mm-hmm. and all that stuff i didn't understand And there was like you know there was People who are saying, like, that's not real hardcore, and this is yeah. real hardcore, and, like, that's metal, and this... I didn't understand all that. I'm like, aren't we just all people going to shows? Like, I don't understand these purity tests for yeah. hardcore. But no. I, I, I kind of get it now.
1: Yeah, like, I, and I do... I can understand what the apprehension was, but I do think that what helped was when people finally saw, like, no, that's that same ethic and that same attitude were in our scene. Like, we're in yes. this whole metal... Core thing, you know, like, and I like you're saying that, yeah. Converge, Cave In, Coalesce, like Dillinger, um a lot of that stuff, or uh, like even back for me, like a little bit pre that was like Overcast and yes, some of those other bands, like a lot of that stuff are like Dead Guy. Well, Dead Guy was maybe like a little pre that, but like so a lot of that stuff was where we really came from, um, mm-hmm. and like you were saying well earlier about uh like with creation and abnegation and those bands um you know that that was like where i kind of got a lot of my inspiration from where like the local like abnegation was basically a local band to me so
2: they have still some of the heaviest oh dude there's
1: i see so heavy they unreal there's a band from like greensburg area that uh, was originally called Transit, which is weird, but then they changed it over to a band, the, the name Passover. Um, Passover and Abnegation, if they came out today, both of those bands, and you probably didn't hear any Passover riffs, which you, you'll you have to look it up. But, so those two bands, if they came out today, would crush everybody.
2: <laughs> it's, it's just insane because I remember I heard a like I would remember hearing bands. Uh, the, the way I got turned on to creation was um, a mutual friend of Keith and I, uh, Mike Golan. Uh, do you remember he? Mike Golan was doing something from so he played guitar in this day forward. But yes, he yeah I knew that name. Yep, he was doing something, and I don't remember exactly who the distro was through. Um, but I remember he's like, yeah, I got some new CDs. He's like, you should check them out. And he had uh in silico, and I was like, all right, I'll I'll take. I was like, I'll listen to it, whatever. (laughs) And uh, there was the one the i forget the goddamn name of the song oh my god but as soon as i heard it i was like okay i'll buy this like <laughs> i was like i don't care what the rest of it the, there could be 40 minutes of silence on the rest of this fucking cd which, sometimes which, which there sometimes it. were <laughs> 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 that's, that was the running joke is like i just like turned it on and be like what is this this is like and then i remember <laughs> that's how actually it was one of those things that uh i had no idea who uh turing was i didn't know like there's a the turing test on the yeah, one yeah. on the one cd and i was like who the hell is turing let me look this up and then i started reading about him and i was like oh my god like this now all of the the, the kind of pieces i had start to put together by myself like started to make sense and then the entire like idea of like hacktivist and all that stuff started to kind of like uh the carbon defense league all started to culminate and i was like oh these dudes are like super into tech stuff like not tech metal but like the technology yes (laughs) and i i think that was like one of those things that we there's a (laughs) like keith if i'm getting too off track you can totally pull me back but there's oh don't worry i will (laughs) okay there's a there's a youtube video of creation playing in a basement in philly at this venue called fun orama okay and uh there was a guy that was touring with you and I'm not sure if he was like merch or what was um, it. This was, I think around 2001 and they, they started playing and I remember uh, Nathan started talking and he got in about maybe a minute and a half, two minutes and somebody in the middle of the crowd just goes, shut the fuck up. Oh (laughs) man. And I was like, Oh no! And the the guy who was touring with them at the time like pulled the mic and was like, "You do not come up here and be disrespectful." He's trying to educate and trying to talk, and it's like less talk, more rock. Fucking play some metal, dummies like screaming at <laughs> people, and I was like, "Oh, they are totally going to walk out of this fucking show." And I've been waiting forever for these guys to come around.
1: <laughs> that's incredible, actually. That's the thing that like I left the band in like ninety nine, so. Mm-hmm um but a lot of like the recordings and a lot of the stuff that happened kind of happened pre that i know they did some writing after i left but a lot of it was when i was still there so i got i was able to see a lot of that stuff and yeah nathan the the singer was he was on a different level intellectually it's insane Like he
2: has a, he's, he has a PhD, doesn't he? Or he he was, I know he was at Carnegie Mellon for a long time. Yeah. He
1: went to Carnegie Mellon. He actually now owns his own company. He owns, um, deep local. So, uh, and they do a lot of like advertising work. Uh, but it's, you know, it's all with like super artistic, super well developed craziness. I mean, they've done stuff for one of the coolest things I've seen them do was they were working with, uh, the flaming lips recently and they were coming up with ways of making like just household items like an apple or like fruit uh putting a sensor on it so you can actually like play music through it what? <laughs> yeah dude. Wow. I mean, the guys just like it it's unbelievable and it sucks too cuz i was friends with him in high school and you know creation was basically like my high school band we toured right off after we all graduated and everything so like it was like a little he was on such a level that for me i was still like I wasn't able to appreciate all the things he was actually into because I was just too dumb. Like it took me so long to like, after, even after I was in creation to really recognize and realize that they're true, like, man, the dude's just, he's just so smart. He's a genius for sure. I feel
0: the same way. That band was on another level and I didn't really understand everything the band was saying at the time, but it's so fascinating with like the reverse hacked Game Boys and Mm -hmm. just all the stuff they did with noise and ambient sound and just, I mean, it was really on a different level.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like, man, I I do. I really look back on it and wish I would have been a little more understanding at that point, but now it's cool to kind of like be so... kind of far from it, but I still talk. I, I actually have been trying to figure out a way to meet up. Nathan still lives in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, there's, I still talk to him here and there. Um, but yeah, maybe now I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. Cause I wasn't so smart about this back then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a question. Is Nathan very verbose in conversation? Cause I, I watched like a 2011 or 2012 creations, crucifixion, reunion video on youtube okay and i think before they played their first song he went on for like 20 minutes just i think talking about them getting to the venue like is it like tommy's like that like tommy can talk <laughs> and that's that's why he's a great addition to this show because sometimes i need to like take a breather and you know sit back and he'll be able to roll with it like is, is nathan like that too when you yeah. talk to yeah
1: yeah i think too like i think you can kind of even see it like there's certain people tommy might be this way but like there's certain people were like Man, their brain just kind of works a little faster than everybody. So, like, yes, even though he doesn't realize he's talking for twenty minutes, it's because like he's already thinking about like five minutes into that conversation when you're still back in that first minute. So I'm like that.
2: I'm like that with like the shit that doesn't matter in life, though.
1: Like, Uh, me too. Nathan's able
2: to, yeah. See, I'm really, (laughs) I'm phenomenal at fucking Simpsons and Seinfeld quotes. uh, (laughs) Quotes from Goodfellas. I'm super at. I can do entire sections of Goodfellas from memory. Um, I I hear things like in in like normal everyday conversations, and I'll just go. So like, uh, if I ever hear the name Karen, all I can think of is Karen. We
1: needed sure. that money.
2: Like, that, yeah, it's a fucking my brain instantly Dude, that was actually goes a pretty to
1: idea right there too.
2: Right, look, <laughs> I you know this is uh thirty eight years of inside my own brain doing my own shit. Like, and yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> sometimes, a great- they, sometimes they sometimes they sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. <laughs>
0: So how do you even write in Creationist Crucifixion? Because I hear those riffs and I'm like, what What even is this? What, what were some of your influences?
1: So all of us were like super into death metal, like yeah. musically. Like I could give a shit about what they were saying about it, um, which is kind of weird because like, you know, like with the hardcore scene and where we came from, the reason why I like got so involved in that scene was because I really in- was interested in all the things people were talking about. Um, but then I was able to like, there, there's a time when I'm like, I want to listen to your band because you actually stand for something that I either agree with, disagree with, whatever, or I just like your riff. So I will, you know, cannibal corpse will talk about cutting things up. I don't care. I want to hear the riff.
2: That's yeah. That's exactly what I, so I'm a huge death metal. So I got into death metal and black metal in like my sophomore year of high school Okay. And uh, I got really into things like incantation. Um, there was, there's some newer bands out now that I've just been like, I, I've like, not even newer, but like bands that have been putting things out for a long time, like Ulcerate. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. God, what was the other band that I just found and I was like, they're so good. Uh, but like that, that like, I, I didn't care about the lyrical content. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know what they were saying ninety percent of the time. Like that yeah. was not something I cared about. But then it was like. When I heard things like you know, uh, you know, Snapcase or uh, Chain of Strength and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, this is something I I want to jump around in the front and fucking sing along with this, like because I know the words and the words have passion to it.
1: That's yeah. and dude, that's actually like I think what prompted a lot of like the metalcore bands. Like I yeah. think a lot of us were like, hey, we love metal, but like they're singing about the dumbest shit. So <laughs> yeah. like, why don't we? St- use that form like use that that style and then actually sing about like legitimate stuff um so you know with like all that whole like abnegation was especially good with like that kind of you know either animal rights or you know environmental stuff like so it was really cool to me seeing bands do that where they were like taking from bands like that, but they were also singing about something that was important enough that made you listen to them. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but totally like creation writing all came from like morbid angel suffocation, anything. Yeah. All that deicide, all of it. Um, and we did. So Paul, the other guitar player came up with this super weird tuning that made absolutely no sense. None. Zero sense. But what it did do was dissonant. It was just totally dissonant. Like you yeah. couldn't even write like a normal bar chord because it was just weird because the tuning was so weird. Because your finger would have to be completely different anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, basically, we were kind of even like what they did with when uh, Nathan got in more into the noise. We were just trying to make as much disgusting noise as we possibly could. So the ribs were like. Y- you You succeeded yeah (laughs) (laughs) we want to do like a morbid angel riff but we really want it to sound like nobody wants it to sound like so um yeah there's not like i don't know nobody's ever really really asked me about like how to play a uh, creation song but even if i heard people playing them if they didn't know the way we were tuning there's no way they could figure out what we're doing
0: (laughs) so the key is a, a very special hidden tuning
1: Yeah, like it was just a weird tuning that's honestly to this day makes no sense. But what's great about it is because of that tuning it inspired me. And now like half of the new Zeo shit is all weird tunings that don't make any sense.
2: Oh. (laughs) That was like one of those things there was um shit, there's a song on I think it's on Parade of Chaos. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, Oh fuck, that sounds like a creationist riff. Uh um, the buzzing oh yeah yeah yep yep dude as soon as i heard that i was like okay so i'm sold <laughs> like i'm fucked That's it. immediately and then the best part about it was is like i don't like i can't speak like for 100% of this but like it was easy enough that i could figure out how to play it on my guitar and i was like okay yep. <laughs> and i'm like oh shit this is so sick that fucking because it, it has that same type of that like you know the creation energy and that same type of dissonance but man does it fucking like especially when those vocals come in it's like god damn like this is such a like um it's just that culmination of all those things just sounds so angry and so evil but yet you can like really take something positive away from it that's what i always loved about zeo
1: yeah that's and i think it's cool too because with like what Dan talks about, I mean, a lot of people have totally misrepresentations of what Zaya was about. When I joined mm-hmm. it, it wasn't what people totally, I think, really thought it was, which is fine, whatever. Um, you get saddled with something because of what the way the band was, and that's yeah. fine. But Dan was always every lyric from when I joined till now was always very just personal to him. Like it was mm-hmm. always something that either happened to him or like he even if it was like a social commentary, it was always from his perspective. Like it was never Dan was never the lyrical guy that would like tell you how things should be. He would just say, "This is what I see," right? Mm-hmm. So, I think what makes that so visceral is that it's just a dude like trying to work through horrible shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. And just, I love that.
2: Just, for, just for context, when did, what album
1: did you join the band on? Liberate? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was my first album with uh Perfect. was it with yep.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing that you joined. This was pre this was around ninety nine, I think. This okay. was like pre the internet being what it was and social mm. media wasn't around, but I heard somehow, oh, the guy from Creationist Crucifixion is in Zeo now and I was like, Oh, so cool. weird. Yeah. So <laughs> <all> <laughs> done. <laughs> so you so the first album you appeared on was Liberate?
1: Yeah, Li- Liberate was my first record with them. Um but I like the cool th- I say in a couple other other interviews I've done, but like I've known Russ and Dan, I've known Russ since like ninth grade. So I've known uh, all of those guys for such a long time prior to mm-hmm. even joining the band. And it like Zayu was started in West Virginia. So they were like a three hour drive from like Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, when Dan and Russ and Brett joined, I mean, they essentially became a local band to me because then they were, you know, these are the guys that I grew up with and we're all close friends with. Um, so when Brett left, it was almost like a no brainer. Cause like I've, like I said, I knew Russ and Dan for such a long time. That and how
0: did you get the call? Like, were they like, Hey, we need someone. And then you go down to try out or.
1: Well, I think creation did play some shows with Zayo. Cause there was mm-hmm. a time when that didn't even matter. Like it wasn't, you know separated even the even the Zeo that was like relatively religious like creation still played with them mm-hmm. um, so I knew I knew Jesse from that point and we just always kept like a friendship even we though we disagreed we we stayed friends um mm-hmm. and then when when Brett was talking about leaving uh, Russ I mean both I talked to Russ that whole time because we would always like go back and forth with riffs, you know, like he loved creation stuff and um, Russ and Dan did bands prior to Zeo that were really dissonant and like more like a creation type style. Mm-hmm. So we like would always like riff, what would you call it? Like b- bust each other's those other's balls with the riffs. Like I would be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, here's the this My riffs better too bad. And then he would write a riff and I'd be like, that's, you just fucking ripped my riff off, riff off, dude. Like I can tell. <laughs> um, but so we would bust balls each on each other for that stuff and stayed friends. And when Brett left, Russ was like, dude, if you're not doing creation, like this is really dumb for you not to just join this. So,
0: so you left creation before you ended up in Zeo?
1: Yeah, like I quit creation and then I think of like maybe like 2 to 4 months went by before like the whole Zeo thing started. So,
0: so why did you leave creation?
1: I I think honestly, from the, my perspective was that I felt, I don't even know how to say this. Like when you're young, Nathan was, he was just so smart and like, you just felt kind of unequal and I was really not like mature enough to like take some of the ribbing. Mm-hmm. 'cause like as every band has it, like even with us, like there's always gonna be a dude that gets picked on, there's always gonna be picking on each other, yeah, um, and I think I like got too offended by some of that stuff, and then I also like creation was kind of moving in a direction where they not that I thought it was a bad idea, just I wanted to write more and play more, and there was a lot more like of the talking going on and and the noise stuff going on. And I was like, man, I I think this is great. I just don't know if it's for me. Yeah. And I, it
0: seemed to become more of a, a movement yeah, than was, just a band playing shows. Cause I remember they released like this book yep, and it had a CD with two new still, songs on it. I but it was like that. Th- yeah. It was like <laughs> 35 bucks. And I, I was like 17 at the time. I was like, I can't afford that. So, but you know,
2: yeah, I, yeah, I bought that. I bought that actually, actually, you know, what was funny. Um, uh, I went out to go visit J.D. So J.D. Foster um, was in a band out. He was uh, in a band with me out here in like Bucks County. Okay. And then he left to go to University of Pittsburgh. Okay. I went out to go visit him. He was playing in a band. I don't know if he was playing at that time, but he was in a band called Crucial Unit. Oh, I remember Crucial Unit. Oh, yeah. So he was the drummer for Crucial Unit. Okay. And he was like, you got to come out and visit me. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. And, uh, we went to, uh, that Mr. Roboto project. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we saw you guys. Um, and then we went to some record store. I remember I had to walk up a flight of steps to get to it. And when I got up there, there was a bunch of creation stuff I had never seen before. So there was a, uh, pressing of the CD for certain. So it was in silico or not okay. in silico. Uh, it was automata and it okay. was, <laughs> there was a piece of bread in the front of the C, or on the edge of the CD. So like somebody had taken the jewel case open and there was like a a sliver of like wheat bread like put in there. And Jesus. I was like, I was like well, you know, my my CD is already kind of fucked up and I, I keep it in my car <laughs> and it's like all scratched. And you might as well buy a new one. I think it was like 10 bucks or something like that. And then I was like, oh, let me get the other one. And I remember when I got up to the, <laughs> I, you know, keep in mind, I was like a teenager. So yeah. like, I got up to the counter and like, I was like, here, I'll just take these two. And he was like, $50. And I was like,
1: what? okay <laughs>
2: it, like panicky me was just like oh, okay here's all of my like i remember i had to like <laughs> scrounge for food like for the rest of the weekend because oh all my, my spending money that i had brought out to pittsburgh <laughs> spent on creation and crucifixion stuff
1: i can't <laughs> believe like it was dude we probably only spent 50 dollars to like record some of that stuff so that's <laughs> <laughs> as you i'm sure you could tell but but
0: so when you get the call to 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 Join forces with Zao. Do you do you know the songs or do you have to learn them? Like how how do you like kind of try out with them?
1: Well the nice thing was is essentially when I joined, this was when they were kind of already, you know, Blood and Fire came out and they mm-hmm. kind of did away with the stuff prior to Blood and Fire. So we only I I really only remember playing a few shows where it was just I would play blood and fire songs. Yes. And then we started writing for liberate like immediately. So we like went out and we were playing, a, you know, a good bit of blood and fire songs and then a bunch of these new songs that nobody heard. So it was a little bit mm-hmm. weird, but whatever. But yeah, there wasn't that much that I had to learn and, okay, and blood and fire. Well, the nice thing about that kind of style of music is it's really not that hard to play on guitar, but it sounds, right. you know, and this is always going to be like a fight and for me like far removed now being a guitar player for so long that i just don't care that much about technical proficiency or whatever but you know when creation played it was sort of like i felt kind of cool because it's really weird and hard to play and then when Zaya would play i would feel kind of dumb because i'm just playing like a bunch of open chords but (laughs) in theory the open chords are going to always sound better the more simplistic guitar and drums work together, it's all gonna sound better. So I think that kind of helps that style a little bit because the more simple it is, the thicker it can sound and the heavier yeah. it can sound. So
2: it, it's less chaotic. That's yeah, a, that's yeah. the creation is kind of like, you know, that typified them that that chaos, like stop on a dime, then this mm-hmm. part starts. And it was like there was a couple times where I remember listening to the song and like I was going like we're two and a half minutes in. I'm like, they haven't repeated a riff yeah (laughs) they haven't repeated there's no bridge there's no chorus it's just fucking riff after riff this is amazing
1: and that's i think it's super funny to me i think about this kind of stuff all the time so dillinger comes out right and 43 percent burn's gonna like go down in history as one of the best riffs of all time and the only reason it's like that is because that's the one riff you can actually understand (laughs) everything else it's like what is happening to me i'm my brain's melting oh there's a riff that I can yeah. remember. No, that I re- I
0: remember like friends of mine who weren't involved in hardcore or metal or anything. Dillinger was my favorite band at the time and I'd show it to them and they'd be like downright offended. They'd be like what is this? Listen, this is this music. Did, why did you give this to me? Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> And dude, that's like out of that whole scene Dillinger's still one of my favorites of all time. And I mean, oh, yeah. I don't think they're ever going to be touched. I don't think there's ever going to be a band. I mean, like Converge is on a on a different kind of space like yes, i think they're yes. as legendary but like dillinger is just never going to be touched nobody's going to be willing to like do their th- stage antics ever again i don't think
0: i no, it know it was a time and place snapshot yes. of yep. like in history that, that i don't think ever will be able to be repeated and I, I have
2: i have a super unpopular opinion about uh dillinger and people every time i say it people are like oh, oh okay well you've oh. never spent time i am a strictly dimitri dillinger person like <laughs> as soon as it's like as soon as like i, I listen to it, essentially under the running board mm-hmm. and calculating infinity and after that like there's a couple tracks that i'll go okay I'll, i like i'll listen to this for a little like prancer like i like yes. that oh yeah yes but there's That's... Uh, there's other like there's other whole things where i'm going like like what's well, the one that um is like if you search search on YouTube I think it, like Milk Lizard or so, like I, I don't know what the milk is definitely involved in the title I
1: think Milk lizards. I think the and, name of it yeah and
2: it's like one of the most popular songs and I like listen to it and I go
1: doesn't sound anything like
2: Dillinger <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know like, what I, like, I don't like this band the biggest bummer for me is I was a fan of like Dimitri's stuff like I loved that band at that time but Zao never got to tour with them until Greg joined so like I'm like biased because I love Greg and like I think out of everybody in the band Liam, Greg and Ben were like the guys that we all yeah. got really close to. So like Greg is one of my favorite people ever. So I kind of don't even I can't even think of Dimitri really cuz I never really got to meet him and see them when he was with with them which is a, a bummer. But I can totally understand the argument. I don't think your arguments like wrong for me though. I'm more of a Greg guy because that's that's what I remember. But
0: Greg, I will say this: Greg is a better live frontman because yeah. I, I, I err yeah. towards the uh, earlier yeah. albums. Yeah. And it, like Tommy said, I, I mostly have favorite songs here and there from mm-hmm. from the newer stuff. But when I look at video old videos of Dimitri versus new videos of Greg, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I see what's going on. You know, it was yeah.
2: funny whenever I watched Dillinger. I didn't watch I didn't watch the front. I watched Ben. i watched ben and i watched chris that's who i watch. like i i I watched the guitar player and i watched the drummer that's who i was always like if i could get to i saw dillinger when i was really really young Mm -hmm. and um they played in an auto body place near my house and i when i was there yeah no i mean like literally like it was a kid like a legit yeah like his dad owned an auto body place yeah. that had like four or five bays in it, and they just opened all the bays up and they hid the tools and like let bands play there. That's um, awesome. So, uh, but I remember I was out in the crowd and like it, there's a point in time like somebody posted on YouTube. Uh, ben comes right up and screams in my face like, and I I remember kind of slinking to the back and I made my way around the side and I was like, I'm gonna stand over here right now and watch the guitar or watch the drummer because. He can't get up and yell at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Zayo,
0: I remember... Now, Zayo is a foundational band for me and many others. I got into them around the time I got into hardcore Splinter Shards and Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest. And then that split with Training... The split with Training... Training for, for Utopia. U- yeah, that came out. Mm-hmm. And that those songs were just like, whoa, like, you know, these guys are, are bringing it. And so Liberate Te. X Infernais was a highly, highly anticipated album by me and many others. So, tell us about some of what was going on, like, leading up to the release of that LP. Did you guys feel it? Were you, like, you know, what? how did it feel on your end?
1: It is so hard to explain how none of that mattered. <laughs> so, like, I, it's, so, I've always looked at it like this, and I hate even saying it because it sounds like, oh, well, this is my philosophy on how I write. Like we were just like writing. It wasn't, we try so hard and I still do it now. Like where I don't really focus too much on like outside stuff because I think you can, there's two things that will happen to you as a person and as a band. If you focus too much, you're either going to like be scared and write the worst record ever. Cause you're going to worry about what everybody's going to think mm-hmm. or you're going to think you're way too great and what you've done is so good that i can't do wrong and you're going to make the shittiest record of all time so what we tried to do is we literally like just it was the four of us and as long as we were stoked we were hoping people would be stoked and i think we try really really hard not to worry about what we think other people will think i just want to make sure that i'm happy with it because i think when a as a musician when you are happy or when you are excited about a song or a riff or anything that's going to translate to people. Cause I, I, I don't know necessarily that there's like, I mean, look at how many times it's happened. Nobody, you know, people will put out unbelievable records and then the sophomore record will be garbage. Cause I think they like, think how popular my first record was. People will just automatically like it. So I think if you, spend too much time worrying about like how people are going to reflect on your, your art. I think you're going to make bad or less than art. I think you have to go into it willing to either, you know, bear yourself and just try the best you can. And if people like it, you got to you obviously be happy. But if people don't like it, that can't be why you wrote it. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I mean, we've, to be realistic man zayo's had some clunkers so i'm not going to pretend like every record we've put out had uh, like good from start to finish <laughs> but <laughs> but like i you just i we didn't think about like oh we we have to like write the next record to blend fire cuz like we don't even view ourselves still to this day i'm well i'm never going to like i don't think anybody in our band looks at us as that like, I don't think of my, I don't think of our band, like I put the pedestal of Converge or I put a pedestal, like even in our scene, like I look at cave in, like, you know, I'm a huge fan of Brodsky and cave in and, mm-hmm. but for me, like I'm willing to take the, take the ride with them. So like, even if, you know, they put out Jupiter people like get so shocked, I was like, whoa, I'm just going to take the ride with these guys because let them do what they want. But yes, yeah, so I didn't, we don't ever look at it like that. I didn't think, I don't think when we wrote Liberate, any of us were like, oh man, we have to follow up Blunt and Fire because that, because even then, like, you don't really understand people liked it that much. I mean, shows were great and that was kind of like our whole thing. As long as we can get to shows, play, and have people there that are excited, I guess we're doing the right thing. So we didn't even think of it that way.
0: Yeah. I'm always curious about it from the band's perspective. Cause like for me as a young kid listening to these records and seeing these shows, it's just mind blowing. It's like, oh my God. So, but I think for a lot of the bands, it's just like, we're just in it. Like we're doing what we do. And if people are, are reacting positively to it, then great.
1: Yeah. And I think too, a lot of people don't recognize how bands perceive the shows. Cause like, you know, you're brought up like, you know, you go to like a Metallica concert or like you go to a real concert and that is like a show for you. You know, the yes. the bands there, the shows for you, they, there's a whole production for you. So you just kind of automatically expect that the band recognizes that the show's for you, but that's not how it is for us. Like the zayo shows we play are for us. Like I'm more excited about being there than most people are probably like, I don't think people, I think there's like a skewed view of like what a band feels like to be on stage. Cause I think we've been brought up to think of these people as somebody different than us or separate, but like, man, I'm, I'm just a fan that got to be on stage. So I look at the show in a, in a different, it's almost the same light as a person coming to it would, what I would think like, and it's funny cause the audience to me is like my band. I like, I'm so excited to see people that are there and, I just I'm so excited to play for people, and I look at it as like, I like I get the reward, not you. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, so what what was your first show with
0: Zayo? Now, because that must have been incredible. Like if I was on stage playing guitar with Zayo, like, and we go into Lies of a Serpent, like I would I would like probably kill myself with the guitar out of excitement. <laughs> like
1: how how did it feel for you? Man, I can't. I kind of remember the show I yeah and it was in it was in a pretty bad section of DC Mm -hmm. and I remember walking out of the club with Russ and we like it's so funny because I don't really remember how I felt playing I just remember like all the weird things like our like our talks or like walking outside and there were there was a dude selling homeboy juice he called it I remember, nice. yeah, I like I remember <laughs> that. Um, I don't remember exactly like how I felt, but maybe to quantify that, all of us I think look at ZEO or being on stage as as like catharsis. So we're like just just a release. Yes. So it's almost like that you know half hour or whatever you play or now forty five minutes to an hour or whatever. I'm not there. I'm kind of just like gone. And I I just let everything that exists in me just completely come out. So like, it's super weird how that works. And I think all of us kind of do that because there's times when I've seen Dan or Russ after we're done, it looks like something's wrong and it's not (laughs) like, dude, it's just like you just exerted everything and you don't really remember it. And it sort of feels like you were there but it's kind of not like that and it's just dude to be on a stage in front of people is you can't it, it's just not like a normal thing no so you and c- it's
0: it it's the best thing in the world it's the best feeling i yeah. miss it a lot i have not been in a band that's performed live in i don't know four years and you it's like you're saying you let it all out you just it's like it's like an exorcism type thing it's the oh, best absolutely. feeling
1: yeah it's and it, you can't explain it to people it's better than anything I've felt like it's one of the best feelings. Like you said, that you can have as a human being is to be able to like have people like, dude, when people sing back to you or like scream back the words or like you start a song and they know that riff, like I dude, I, I can't put that in the words, what that makes you feel like,
2: you know, you know, it makes, this makes me think of, um, you know, that Mogwai song, punk rock. Yes. When Iggy Pop is talking about it and he's like, he, I think something says something to the effect of like, um, have you ever felt that way? Like you've not felt anything at all and you didn't care because you were in that moment. Like that's kind of seems like what you're describing is that it's, it's that uh, you're like, it's like you're channeling something. Like it's this energy and it's like you become no longer the person you are and you become this conduit for something like to bring out something that is, you know, latent within a lot of us and you see that emotionality come out in the crowd, like, like you said, not being able to put words to it, it seems reasonable because how do you describe something that's so, it's the way our brains function. Like it's it's literally our, it's our body and our brains telling us that we love this thing, like whatever (laughs) this
1: is. I love too, like what that whole sentiment of just being in the now is. Cause I don't think any other circumstance makes it really easy to just be present. So like every all day, like all, no matter what you do, you're always thinking about the thing you just did, or you're thinking about the thing you have to do, or you're thinking about all these different things that your brain kind of like takes cues from and it's focuses on. Right. But when you're on stage, it's the one time in like my whole presence or whatever that i'm just in the now i'm not thinking about what's going to happen i'm not thinking about what i just did i'm thinking about this riff right now these people in front of me so it allows you to kind of like shut it off like you almost can just shut your brain off especially if it's something like a song you've played forever like you know a lot of muscle memory and a lot of that kind of stuff so you can like just enjoy and experience the now and maybe that's what it is. That it's, just, it's like it, meditation. It really it's, is. It, dude. Yeah. It really is like you shutting down
2: for a moment and letting that moment kind of wash over you and appreciate it because, um, there's that, uh, I don't know what you, we even call him, but I guess he, he's a philosopher, but, um, he's a guy, Sam Harris. Oh yeah. I <clears throat> and Sam Harris has a whole thing about like, you know, um, it, whatever we do in our lives, we try to mitigate for the future or try to repent mm-hmm. for our past, but mm-hmm. What we truly have is right now, this moment. And Mm -hmm. and I think training your brain, and this is what I've been doing a lot recently uh, since I've kind of cleaned up my act, is kind of like really looking for those moments during my day where I can stop and appreciate what is happening in that moment. So, for example, like like I got pissed the other day. My daughters were working on – I'm a math teacher for – that's how I make a living. I, oh, I teach awesome. math. So um, my daughters are in kindergarten, and because of COVID, like we're you know everything's online education, and they're trying mm-hmm. to do these um, basically like a basic addition and subtraction problems on their own. Okay, and I, I got I got mad at them because like I, I'm trying to show them ways with number lines. I'm lining up Cheerios. I'm trying to like get them <laughs> to understand the concept. That's great. And, but I like what I really had to do, and this is what. This is what changed my perspective on thinking about this. Was I I, I stopped for a moment because I could feel myself getting angry, and Sam Harris talks about that a lot. Is like recognizing the emotion that you're feeling, thinking about where its origin is. Why am I angry at this moment? And I'm angry at that moment because I was frustrated that the kids didn't understand the math. Mm-hmm. And then you look at them and realize, they are six year old little girls. This is an entirely new concept to them and they need a basis of something that they can relate it to and something they can understand. And I actually stopped for a moment. I was like, I need a minute. I'm going to walk away uh, I forget what I did I Went and go, you know, made a cup of coffee or got a glass of water or something like that. And I came back and I was like, okay, so let's try this. And I got the whiteboard out and I started like having them draw a picture. I was like, draw six people they were like, okay. They drew out six people. And I was like, okay, so what if three of those people left the group? Erase them. And they were like, oh. And I was like, okay, so what we just did was subtraction. And my daughter looked at me. And in like the most innocent way possible, she goes, I like when you teach me like this and not when you're angry. And I was wow. like, oh, okay. Oh, man. I need to really check myself because there's times where if you had asked me in that moment when I'm teaching them and I'm frustrated, we'd be like, are you angry? Like, no, of course not, not angry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, but
2: everything, everything about your demeanor. And it's like, I I pick it up. Like, um, it, it, I can feel frustration boiling inside me with certain things that I get upset about. And it's stuff that I don't have any control over. And I look at it and go, okay, this is what meditation has taught me is stop.
0: Yeah, being yep.
2: able to stop and take that
0: pause and recognize what's going on and do the next right thing is hard. Not always possible 100% of the time, but if you can do it sometimes, it's great. Like before before I do this show, I get nuts because I want everything <laughs> to be perfect and I'm nervous and what if this goes wrong and what if I, you know. So, you know, my girlfriend knows like, okay, it's before showtime. And I know I'm like, I'm getting a little crazy. So I'm just going to go upstairs and sit there and prepare and there's like there's this bed of dramatic piano music uh, <laughs> uh built into the podcast so i like play that and i just like you know i'm like okay it's all good you know and j- we're just going to breathe that's awesome i'm
2: sorry i hijacked that whole thing you were no, talking no. about being on stage i'm so Dude, sorry no,
1: <laughs> i'm so glad you did cause like i it really does it kind of like puts in the words a little better cuz that's really all that kind of stuff makes a lot of sense like you were talking about your daughters i remember Like being a dad, the one thing that like totally changed my whole perspective was understanding when she was little. You'd go to the toy store. You know how parents are shitty and like, ah, you're not getting that. We're never coming Um, back, right? Yeah, but they could never understand the concept that their brains are forming. So that moment that they want that toy is, is like, there's not going to be another moment. They only understand that that moment's the only moment. So they're screaming their head off because they don't think they're ever going to be in this store again, ever. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No. And it's, uh, you know, there's one of these, uh, like these things that like, I I don't remember where I saw it, but it was like, um, I think it was just like an Instagram post or something like that. And, It was talking about, like, how dogs react to people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny. It's like I watch my dog go through – so she caught a bird the other day. Okay. She's she's older, um, and she's not that fast, but this bird was definitely not paying attention. (laughs) And – She snagged it right out of the, it was about to fly away. She snagged its wing. She did that thing where she like swings her head around and it it, it was flopping around on the ground. I was like, oh my God. So I had to go over and get her and she went from that instantaneous, like aggressive, I'm killing this thing to, I was like, Bailey, get over here. And she, like, tucked her tail and was, like, came towards me. And I was like, no, sweetie, it's okay. Come here, come here, come here. And she immediately stopped and, like, wagged her tail and was like, oh, okay, I'm not in trouble. <laughs> and it was like dogs literally live moment to moment. Oh, yeah. They it's- they appreciate what they have when they have it. And they don't try to – because I, I don't know if it's just because they don't have the capacity to do it. And I think that's probably it. But they really do a phenomenal job of, like, this is now. And I love this now. Yeah. Later is later. The past is in the past. They, they literally live in that singular moment. And that's why people look at that and they go, Oh, I wish I had the dog's life. Well, you could. Yeah. Just live. (laughs) Well, that's why you have to change your mentality. Yeah.
1: That's why when people are training dogs, they say you can't like, you can't punish them for peeing. Because they don't even recognize that that is a thing no, that happened. Their biological function, they just yeah. go, that's what I do. Yeah. Sorry. So, you you know, oh, it peed in the house, okay, well, there's that. But it's that's done to them. So, like, if you yeah. punish them, they're thinking you're just punishing them for no reason because they – Yeah, for
2: what they've done in the last 10 seconds. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. I, I've done nothing except for a walk up to you. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, oh, it's it's amazing, mm-hmm.
2: man.
0: So the first time I saw Zayo, mm-hmm. it was at the Melody. Are we in talking New about? Brun-
1: I didn't even think we were talking about Zayo anymore. All right. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I,
0: I quickly I quickly yank us back
2: on track. This is this is Keith. Keith is driving the boat. I I will slowly <laughs> stick an. in the in the in the ocean and allow us to drift off to the side and then keith goes no 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 We have. we're still doing something
0: sometimes i'll even be like make it quick we don't have much time like (laughs) or like no we don't have
2: time for a story we got to keep going you're done that's it no more byberry stories we get it
0: So the first time I saw Zayo, you Mm -hmm. were in the band, Scott. It was a show at the Melody in New Brunswick. It was a big show, like all day. You and I, Buried Alive, Good Clean Fun, Stretch Armstrong, Zayo. And it was my first time seeing you guys, and it was like a huge show. And I bought a disposable camera because I wanted to capture the moment. And I, you know, one of the things about Zayo was like, uh, I remember Jesse would like sit facing the other way with the drums and they'd mm-hmm. kind of be turned sideways. And even though that's like a minor thing, it just always stuck in my head. Is that like, does he just do it or is there like a discussion beforehand?
1: Actually, the reason why he did that was because, I don't know, if, I'm sure everybody that, that is a Zeo fan or followed the band realized like how unbelievably hard Jesse hits the drums. Like that dude was just a powerhouse when he would play. So yeah. he would turn his drums opposite so he could actually hear better for the guitar work. Um, oh.
2: so it was like almost like a, a, to, yes. a, to aid in monitoring everything Yeah, because
1: then he's like, instead of him being behind cymbals and super loud, crashy cymbals and super big, loud drums, he was the one thing that was in front of all that. And then the guitars would be able to actually be heard better because he wasn't covered. Now, you know, when we would have He kind of did it aesthetically, too. So when we'd have monitors, he would do it sometimes. But Mm -hmm. I think, too, even when he would go backwards like that, what I always loved about it was it felt like we were closer as a band. Because, like, drummer, instead of him being behind a set, he's, like, right here. Because you're going to hear the drums. It's not like turning them anyway is going to help. It's You're going to still hear them even if he's turned around. But it does look more like everybody's in one spot instead of him being behind something. So I always thought that was cool.
0: Yeah, we, visually it was always striking, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the most memorable times I've ever seen you was, we used to do a lot of insane shows in in our hometown in Bucks County, where okay. Tommy still lives, and we had all the legendary bands through there: Converge, you guys, Cave In, Isis, everybody, and my friend Pat McCormick. You know, you guys were like his favorite band, and he booked you at this uh, what was it? Faith Reform Church. And I remember you guys played oh, yes. in, the, in the middle and everyone was just in a circle around you and it, and it was just like one of the most memorable gigs. I remember Daniel was playing bass and like snapped all the strings off playing so hard at the end. And, you know, the live shows are just have just always been impeccable.
1: Yeah, I actually really like when bands do that type of circle around them thing, because I think, yeah you know, it's it's really awkward. I mean, I'm, I'm not a to anything but it's really it was really awkward to be like up on a you know a four foot stage like totally separated from people with a barrier and all that kind of stuff which is going to suck because i don't know how this is going to work with how covid has changed everything but right it doesn't it never felt right to me because like i even what i said before being being in the band isn't like dude i like i, I don't feel separated and i don't these you know, stages sometimes feel like you're separated. Uh, right. So like those like setups where they would be in the middle of a room and like everybody would just circle around, which a lot of hardcore shows were like that. I just I've all and it could be too like coming up in that world and like that was what I started out doing. And we never it wasn't until like later, maybe a year or so into the band, where like we were starting to play real stages and all that kind of stuff. So you know, my first understanding of how that worked was like that and maybe i just i have like a nostalgia for that but i do i really enjoy that kind of setup
0: yeah it was it was great and daniel was playing bass for a while too did you guys just decide you wanted it to be the four of you it would keep it simpler or
1: um you know i there were so many weird things that happened in the band with member changes even though like it's funny now i look back like our member changes aren't even as bad as half the bands that no don't even hear anything about member changes but um I'm sure it was something dumb and Dan actually started as a bassist so he played bass in the band before uh, they did Zayo like him and Russ had a band called Seasons in the Field they were like sort of just creation-y like dissonance like we were talking about and Dan Mm -hmm. played bass in that he was in another band before that that he played bass in he wasn't really a vocalist until Zayo and actually Brett was like we should try to have Dan scream or see if Dan can do it, because he would do backups for the bands Him and Rusted. Mm-hmm. So his first thing was bass. And I don't really know why he wasn't asked to play bass and sing in Zao originally, because they didn't have a bass player for a pretty long time. right? Um, but regardless whatever, I think, too, Dan's presence was way cooler without anything inhibiting him.
0: And that's the thing, especially with a hardcore band, you want the front man to be free. Yeah. Like, with the yeah. mic, if, if, if it can happen. Because that, I mean, that that's the ideal situation.
1: Yeah. No, I think, and that's probably the most, the, this, the solution to it was that you want Dan to be able to, like, be that guy, do what he was able to do. I mean, because he, man, that dude gives mic out to people. You know, he's always yeah. in the front. Um, so... That's probably why. But yeah, Dan is a bassist.
0: So you and Daniel are pretty much the most consist well, you're the, the two founding members now, right? You guys have been in it since uh since you've joined.
1: Yeah, and Russ, too, right? Yeah. So me, Dan, and Russ, like all I Russ and Dan were re- before me, and then I joined. Um, so in time spent, I'm probably the longest running guy now just because i've been consistent from right when i joined i never left Uh, russ left a little bit dan left a little bit so but the way i look at it you know russ dan and i have been kind of the core since i joined Mm -hmm. um and the nice thing is and this, this is something i'm super proud of um that you know the band has been essentially the same band since like 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. So we've been very consistent even up until, you know, with Jeff and, and Marty being in the band, we've been doing it this way for a really, really long time. So, and to like, I think we, we finally came to the, all of us have been friends. Like I, even though Jeff's like newer to the band, like I knew Jeff when I was doing my first bands in high school, cause his bands were local bands with me. So we knew Jeff from back then. Marty has been in this whole, I mean, actually, Marty was essentially asked to possibly be on Blood and Fire. So Marty's relationship with Zayo goes even before me. Yeah. So, like all these guys, like the five of us that are in the band now have been relatively close friends for a very, very, very long time.
0: So Russ left at some point and then rejoined. Why did he leave? And then how did he end up coming back?
1: I think there were, you know, there were so many instances where ego and personality clashed, and I don't think, mm-hmm. it, you know, now looking back on it, being older, I really do think that it was everybody in the band had a little bit of ego, had a little bit of this, had a little bit of that, and mm-hmm. and um, not really like empathy and compassion for for each other. So, you know, the whole as it. could, looked like possibly that Jesse was this big problem in the band. I think that a lot of us really missed that he was going through a lot of mental uh, struggle. And I think if we would have recognized that, and I mean, we were all young and we, we looked at it as let him being an asshole to us. But I think a lot of it was like, he was dealing with a lot of things that he never brought to our attention and, Mm -hmm. and probably put him in really bad situations in his own, being right so um russ left because there was just that turmoil in the band and he felt that it wasn't going to be something that would stay consistent so he wanted to go to school so he'd have something to fall back on because you know being a musician's like the chances of you actually making it are so minuscule like Zayu hasn't made it like (laughs) none of us like i none of us are doing this for
0: it's not your no, full-time job. no
1: no yeah. so like <laughs> even a band like us that's like known like you cannot financially survive which is totally fine maybe right maybe bands like this shouldn't be able to financially survive maybe this shouldn't be your job because like
0: yeah our- growing up uh, all the hundreds and hundreds of bands that tommy and i know one band
2: we know like Lives off That's of it. the band. That's but one. Cir- Circa Survive is the only
1: band that I've known that. Which i I love to. that band. I love yeah. that band. but yeah, <laughs> and, and they're they're the, they're the like only like the ones. Nicest, so they're like the, the nicest eyes-
2: dudes in the world.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I man, I put my foot in my mouth with Brendan real bad, and I, I, got, oh, I can't even. Share. Dude, it was so. I just, I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Circa, and yes, I knew that he was I, like because they played with This Day Forward, so I like I knew s- sort of. Like that I think those guys went on to do some of this stuff, and yeah. he was talking to me at one co- like a festival that we, we played with Circus Survive, and I'm like, like you know, it was them and Coheed, so I'm like, "I dude, I can't wait to go see all these these bands." And Brendan's like backstage talking to me for like ever, and I can't believe I didn't, I didn't recognize him. So, like, we're like talking. I'm like, so what band are you here with? And he's like, oh, I play in circa. I'm like, dude, I'm just telling you how much I love circa and I didn't even recognize you. Like, I'm the biggest turd. Like, like I hate, and like, I still feel t- like I just don't. It's one of those things like you're not supposed to think about the past, but like, I think about it every couple months and like, I want to punch myself in the face. I love that. He'll <laughs> he'll
0: love to hear this story. He's one of the most just humble and nice people. He'll he'll get a laugh out of this story.
1: Yeah, that dude. Well, <laughs> he was so nice, and I have some other mutual friends with them because um, there was a band that Zayo toured with a lot called uh, Not Waving But Drowning, and yes, those guys, oh, St.
2: St. Louis dudes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those yeah, guys, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And like uh, their drummer calvin busts my balls about the brendan story (laughs)
2: yeah
0: calvin and uh brendan are still good friends we i was out on a tour with this day forward and not waving but drowning i think back in 02 and not waving but drowning were one of the most unique bands like they they were just wacky but like in a in a really funny and good way and we'd be out on tour and i'd be like why why isn't everybody like obsessed with these guys they're they're hilarious and they're awesome and just like you know
1: it is i hate Sometimes looking at it, like all the bands that I feel like deserve to be bigger, and like some yeah. of like the bands that are big, like I'm like, man, that's fucked up. I don't know why they are, but like, dude, there's so <laughs> many bands that like, how did they not get more or better or bigger? And it, who gives a shit, whatever. But but yeah, like, not waving was one of those bands I never understood. Like, they were so good, man, and like, I mean, they were they're known and they're doing it, but yeah. I thought they deserved a little bit more. Um yeah, I don't know. It's I guess you but, just never know. You yeah. just
0: never know how it's going to shake out. It just I don't know. It just depends disp- it just depends on how people are going to respond to you and you can't necessarily control that. No.
1: And that's it, a, that's it. That's like that's why even like I talked to you about the writing philosophy like if you write trying to like make your band be bigger, you're going to fail. Cause it's oh, just, yeah. you, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. And if you do it that way, not only have you failed because nobody will probably will like it. Now you're going to be bummed out because you don't really like it. You just wrote it for people to like you.
2: Yeah. At least what, if you make something like that and you can look back on it and be like, you know what? I'm happy with that. That's, that's it. Success, that's, that's it, man. Like, fucking. Like I, I, so I, we've gone over this before, but I, I went to law school. Oh, geez.
0: <laughs> okay. So, I might need your help. Uh,
2: Yeah, no, well, not get a real lawyer because I didn't finish. So uh, it was one of those things, though, that like I I was working in a law firm full time doing legal research. I kept getting promoted. I kept doing all these things. And and ultimately what I I, I came home one night and I was having a conversation with my wife and this was before we had kids. We were sitting at like uh, our dinner table and she was like, "Uh, how was work today? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, well, you know what, how, how was your day? And she was like, oh my gosh, I had this little boy I've been working with for so long and he's really, my wife does, uh, she has a multiple degrees in, in reading diagnostics. So she works with kids that have like, um, dyslexia, dysgraphia, uh, th- kids that have uh, multiple disorders and she teaches them how to read. So she does small group pull out with kids that are uh, testing the bottom 5%. Okay. So she works with kids that are essentially struggling readers. Um, and she had this huge breakthrough and she got choked up. She was like, he has been struggling with consonant blends and today he was able to read the word stuck. And I was like, for some reason, I don't know why that, that hit me so hard but I stopped for a second, and she was like, are you sh- are you okay? And I was like, uh, you know how my day was? Uh, I filed paperwork uh, to make sure that a mom can't see her kids until she undergoes mandatory mental health counseling. And she was like, that fucking sucks. And I was like, yeah, yeah it does. And at the time, I was like, you know what? Uh, I grabbed a pack of my cigarettes. I grabbed my jacket. I grabbed my wool hat, and I was like, "I'm going for a walk." <laughs> and I left for about two hours, and I came back, and my wife was like, "What's the matter?" I'm like, "I'm quitting." <laughs> I and I I felt to- I felt so terrible. Yeah. I had just got we had just gotten married. My oh, wife thinks she man. here. She is like she's supporting my stupid ass going to law school. She's literally supporting me, paying like helping me pay bills. And then I'm like, "Yeah, remember how you thought you were marrying a lawyer?" Why I don't want to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I, in fact, I hate this.
0: All right. I'm segueing back to music. Yeah. You go. So,
2: Scott,
0: was there ever a point where you felt like you didn't want to be in Zayo anymore?
1: No. Um, There were times when I would be unbelievably frustrated with how personalities were, but I Mm -hmm. never, there's never been a time where I've been like, I don't want to do this. Because I just like, it's it's sort of weird i'm like kind of hard to all this kind of stuff it's hard to explain but so Zay is like the one thing or like music is the one thing that i've done that i think outside of like being a dad and all that kind of stuff being a hug mm-hmm. you know like it's the one thing that like i feel i've accomplished something right so if i would lose that no matter what I think I would I just never would be the same. So it's it's something that I need for my own psyche. So I never wanted to stop it.
0: Yes. I'm the same way because you know, I, I bands haven't really worked out for me. I had another one a couple years ago and right after we put out the EP, everyone kinda quit or got fired or you know, whatever else. So uh I, I need to be involved. I need to be doing something. So mm-hmm. when Tommy and I, you know, put this thing together and started doing it, it was like rediscovering our past and getting to connect with all the musicians we love in the present and it was you know, it's just an awesome thing. And it like you said, I, I need to do it. Yeah, I need and, to do it. it and that's
1: it, it, a podcast can totally be that. Like it it's just there's something that you do that you identify yourself with. You know what I mean? So Oh yeah
2: it it's definitely like i i was the opposite with like music i i went the other direction with with like i don't want to be in a band anymore because Mm -hmm. i i was like so i was in a band and i was actually i i i don't know if i was fired or i was asked to leave either way (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't in the band anymore (laughs) and uh It was devastating. Like, I was really like, okay, so then how do I define myself? If I'm not this band, if I'm not this person that plays music, what am I? And I felt like the things that made me feel good about myself came from me and not a group of other people. I just didn't like the dependence on other people and relying on other people. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, 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 a big factor in that was like the trust. Like, I felt like, hey, I trusted you guys and you guys were my friends and went behind my back and tossed me out. And for me, when they were like, hey, do you want to come back in? Like there was a part of me that was like, no, like I don't. (laughs) But then there was the other part was like, I I feel like I'm letting them down and I also want to do this. But the podcast for me is always, it's a conversation that we get to have. Uh And it's funny that the biggest piece of feedback that I've gotten from people that, makes me feel like we're going in the right direction. And I, I think it was, I don't remember, I think it was Keith Nolan. He was a, uh, a guy that was really involved in the scene around here for a very long time. He's still, I think hes he does tattoos. He lives over in Morrisville. Um, he said, you know, when I listened to it, I, I almost kept like interrupting, like it's my turn to talk. Like, <laughs> Like he felt like, <laughs> He felt like he was there in a conversation and I I might be misattributing. It might've not been Keith, but it was somebody that we were really, that we were close with and we were friends with that said, you know, like I kept waiting, like it's my turn now. Like it's my turn to say something or like, it, it felt like I was just listening to a conversation with my friends and it was, it just felt natural. And I was like, you know what, if we can continually do this and talk with people that, uh, that we respect and admire, why wouldn't we? You know, yeah. and 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 expose other people to the things that they might not get. Like we we hear people's interviews and we go, yeah, but you didn't ask about X mm-hmm. or yeah, you know, you talked about the same shit that everybody else talked about. Tell us about the new album. Who fucking cares? Like yeah. talk to the person, bro. <laughs> like this is a you have somebody on the line. Like you have someone there that literally has every bit of information you've ever wanted to know you just have to ask them about it or you just have to talk about it in a way that elicits them you know gets them to say what you you want to hear and i i I don't
0: listen to any other music podcasts i i I listen to there's two that i listen to i won't say what they are but they're not music podcasts and i don't need to listen to other podcasts because i know me i know tommy i know how we are and what we want to ask and this this show just has to be the best i mean come on (laughs) who's gonna who's gonna argue with that
1: the greatest thing about that is that's kind of what you have to do is in a band like i love all these bands but if i'm gonna write like i'm not gonna go and be like well it's time to write the converge part or it's not let me let me write the neurosis part today like i take inspiration from everything i love but if you do that yeah you don't yeah you don't want to do that
0: how do you separate that because when i the way i'm when I hear something I really love, I'm like, that's what I am now. That's going to be my next band. That's what I'm going to write. Like, how do you separate getting excited about hearing something versus, like, what you write in Zeo, for example?
1: Well, I think I always... I man, it's really, really hard. But, yeah. But you can always take aspects of what you love, no matter what. I mean, I can't... Mm-hmm. You know, like, me and Dan are big into Doom bands, so there's some doom inspiration on the newest one more Zaya record we're working on, but it's not like I'm going to write like a mono Lord riff. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but, but yeah, it's really hard to like not let that kind of stuff enter you. It's just, you gotta, I, I guess I try really hard to like look at it as like, how would, what would I, how would I interpret it and what works in the way I would write it? Like how, How would this go if, if it's, if I didn't hear this and then like I, somebody told me like, this is how you write this riff. And then it comes through you because it is, it's tough, man, especially being as much of a music fan as I am. Like you really never want to like bite anything from anybody, but I love being inspired by a bunch of stuff. And I too, like, dude, I listen to so much different music. That's not even heavy at all.
0: What are your, what are your, what is the top genres that you listen to? Like for me, I love a lot of heavy stuff still, all the classics, of course, and then this new wave of awesome metalcore bands like Vane and Knock Loose and Sanction and all that stuff. I love that. Post-rock, always very huge with me. Mm -hmm. A lot of hip hop. I'd say those are my top three. Where do you stand?
1: I love post-rock stuff. So like a lot of the bands that I, I listen to that are even... I guess you could consider them heavy. Like I really like some of that, like what, well, like Mogwai is a great thing. We actually use Mogwai as a reference for like a tone for the last couple of records. But nice. so I like that. I love like Russian circles. I love, um, called of Luna, uh, Amon Ross. They're probably more like, I guess they're post rock, but they're super heavy. Um post metal. They call it yeah, post metal, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I like a lot of that stuff. And then I also listen to like, there's this, uh, I think her name's Natalie, but this band called Wiseblood that's just sounds like '70s kind of folky, sort of with like a little bit of electronic in it. So like I mm-hmm. listen to that a lot. I still love like all the British like rock bands, like um, with, like Radiohead or any of that kind of stuff. I kind of grew up when Radiohead wasn't really big. <laughs> like, I went to yeah. see them right when OK Computer came out, so I still, like, love them. I'm not, like, ruined from them. Um, right. But, yeah, like, so that kind of stuff. And then I'm also a pretty big fan of, like, really early country. So, like, not, like, the shitty pop stuff, but, like... Yeah. Like, like Johnny Cash's, the Waylon Jennings, like, that kind of stuff. I'll listen to that. Mm-hmm. and then man, dude, i'm just i'm like all over the place dude i just put abba on my ipod i mean i listen like, <laughs> it doesn't matter like yeah. i don't i like everything i'm super open i think i think it's cool to like take you know listen to things that people wouldn't expect but i don't know i find i find love in all of it
0: yeah and especially writing you know still writing and being in a band you want a wide range of Different types of bands and influences to draw from. It just it just helps the whole thing.
1: No, it totally does. Like, and I I think there's good in like any kind of music. Like, I find myself even things I don't like. If it's live, I'll still kind of check it out. If I'm like walking, you know, say I'm walking down the street and there's like a live band playing. Like, I love that even if I hate. Yes, it. you know, it's just weird.
0: That's that's one of the best ways. I, whenever I see a band live, I'll jump back into the whole catalog. Like, I hadn't heard some of your your newer records, Zayo records, mm-hmm. and I saw you guys play at St. Vitus a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, that oh, yeah. that was your first time playing there,
1: right? Yeah, we never played St. Vitus. That was the first.
0: Yeah, so how was that? Because that's, like, on my checklist to somehow want to do one day to play there.
1: Honestly, man, it was, like, the vibe of it's just so cool. Like, the club itself isn't anything insane. Like, it's pretty mm-hmm. small, and it's it's kind of, pretty dingy but like i still love like the whole vibe that they got going there so yeah um and jeff actually lives in brooklyn so like saint vitus he has some friends that work there um some of the there's a band called spotlights that he's friends with that do a lot of like uh, shows there but like do a lot of work with saint vitus so Mm -hmm. um yeah we just we actually just marked it on like we wanted to do it because of what they've created i think they've created just the club isn't even important it's like what it is and what it represents in the vibe
0: right and yeah i live pretty close to there too and i've just seen some legendary gigs there i love and ev- the best thing is everyone wants to play there so like if a band is reuniting or doing a big tour like before they play the big show they'll they'll play saint vitus yeah and then i get to see that <laughs> show like i saw mineral there Oh, dude, that's that i I, awesome. I really regret not seeing hum there but you know hopefully next time
1: well that's i watched a couple so there's a band that i Absolutely, a door called Yob. They're mm-hmm. kind of like yes. Doom. They they did a show there. I don't know how they didn't crush the whole building, but um, yeah. Watching like like or Neurosis did a show there. Um, dude, I just I don't know how like Dillinger. Did, I don't know how Dillinger did it, but they did. You know, there's so many good bands that have played in that small little room, but that room is just so cool.
0: Yeah. And some of, some, so when I saw you guys at that show, it was a great show and I was like, oh, let me see what's going on. And some of the, my favorite songs of yours are some of the newer stuff on well-intentioned virus. And there's that single decoding transmissions mm-hmm. from the Mobius strip. There's a, there's a lot of good material, excellent stuff.
1: Dude, thanks. I think honestly, as a band, I feel really, really proud of all the things we're doing now. I think there's a lot of like, growth and maturity in some of the writing that we're doing now and and it's really focused on where i think a lot of that like earlier material was was cool and put together but it wasn't like written like it was kind of just like hey we got this riff let's work this riff together and do this i think with this some of this newer stuff there's like actually a lot of thought put into like how things move Mm -hmm. um but yeah no that's awesome dude i hope i mean i don't I think the newer stuff is some of our best stuff, or at least compares, but
0: it definitely comes across it it feels like a fresh new era, and I'm excited to hear even more. so what's coming up? do you have like any more new singles or lps or anything on coming up?
1: Yeah, actually, we are in the processes of getting mixes for the next record right now with covid happening. We had to shut down all that stuff, mm-hmm. so the studio shut down for two months, and we were like just finished actually recording all of it, but we couldn't start mixing because uh, everything was at the studio or whatever. So now that that's opened back up, our engineer Dave's back working now. So we should, we're hoping we were going to try to release this in the summer, but since all this happened it kind of fell apart, but I think we're going to try to release a single from the record later in the year. And then mm-hmm. the full length will be out hopefully in spring or maybe a little earlier next year.
0: Excellent. Looking forward to that. Yeah, dude. So, and you guys were going to be on the Code Orange record release gig, that mm-hmm. huge show in Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. 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 So that must so have been a bummer that Kobe uh, took that out.
1: I, Dude, I'm like, it. it's so frustrating. But talking, uh, I know Jeff talked to Jamie, and I think they are planning on re, I mean, I'm hoping, because like, I was so excited about every band that was on that bill. So yeah. I'm really hoping they're able to do the exact bill. And it sounds like they might even try to do it in an outside venue, which oh, would, cool. which would hope hopefully mean it would happen a little earlier. But I mean, a lot of this stuff, man, most promoters and, and you know, booking agents are saying 2021 is going to be the time when actual shows happen. So, so that's we'll what say, we're hearing too. Yeah, yeah. Like it seems like 2020 is kind of a bust, which is good. I'm glad get, dude, I don't want people to get sick, but so. We'll see.
0: Yeah. So I, I, have, uh, I have an idea for you. Sure. Are you, are you ready for this? I'm so ready. All right. A two Zayo lineup tour. We get the <laughs> Splinter Shards era together, and then we have the current era, and then you both go out on a tour together.
1: What do you think of that? Which one? I mean, sh- here's, the, here's the better question. <laughs> who Who would really deserve the name? oh so how about, do like a uh, chrome
2: thing where you guys like got a fucking initial after the name yeah
1: because like- <laughs> no like you think about it like so they they're the original band and like i yeah. totally appreciate and like like we love actually all those original guys we're still friends with and i love them and i'm like it's i don't even like it's almost kind of shitty to wonder that question but like i don't even know who deserves the name i mean i would love i'm humble so i would say you guys take it you're the originators of the name right yes i would be happy to like change our name and be somebody else but 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 i don't know i don't know how that would work
0: do the tour and whoever like gets the better response takes the name
1: oh then see i'm not in a competition either (laughs) so i don't know how that would work (laughs) yeah i i'm just
0: an idea man i'm just throwing it out there i like it we've had a lot
1: of people ask us to do like Blood and Fire tours or any of that stuff. Um, And I always feel like such a prick. Someone's like, yeah, we're like looking forward, man. We're not looking in the past. I don't. I mean, I think I've, I, as it sits right now, I want to just go forward, but, but it is, I get it. I understand. Like, I think that, that Blood and Fire deserves something maybe, but I don't know how we do it and still like be cool to what we're doing now. We, It's, it's complicated, but someday we'll figure it out. Yeah, do what
0: Circa does. You play the album, and then you just do like you throw like three or four songs like after that, like some newer stuff.
1: Yeah, and we'll just like fly every other member in, like, and making. <laughs> yeah, because I don't <laughs> think everyone can
0: be a everyone can be a part of it. Get Jesse back, get we Brett could, back. We couldn't ev- afford ev-
1: boss big enough for everybody, but
0: it <laughs> <laughs> would be a long ex member. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Scott, we w- we want to uh thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh, dude, it's honestly yeah, my thank pleasure. you so much. Thank this you has for been, a, it's been so awesome.
0: There you have it, folks. The Scott Mellinger interview. That was, yeah, great, that was wasn't really it, good. I,
2: I actually I, I, I appreciate a lot that he was he's just so reflective about stuff. Like he looks back on it and he's like, you know what, that like when he's talking about like disagreements he may have had with Nathan like when he was in creation, like no, actually, I think about it now, like, I may have just not been in the right mindset, or maybe I just didn't understand where he was coming from, or um, Nathan's agenda was different than mine, and I didn't, like, understand that at the time, and I kind of just was hard-headed about it. Like, that's a really cool adult way to think through things. Um, I think that's the only thing, though, that, like, it comes with time, is that perspective, like, I'm able to, like, kind of look at, you know, look back at something and think, like, Wow, like I could have done that differently, or the way I acted wasn't exactly the way I really want to be portrayed, or the way I should have done something in the moment.
0: Yeah, and he, I almost interjected when he was talking about that because I it reminded me of a situation I had in my first band where I was angry because I didn't understand something someone was doing, and I just ended up quitting. And you know, I've I've reconciled with that person, but I that's what I like about the show is I want people to be come on here and be able to talk about everything like the stuff we got into with bob meadows and you know he told some heavy stuff and he said he went and reconnected with people based on podcast episodes he's heard and i I want this to be a place where like people can come and really talk about stuff and just get it out and i don't know maybe we can i hope that's the thing
2: i think that's the other uh i when i was listening to i listened to the episode with um brendan the other day when i was like i, I was just like oh yeah. let me just like throw it on real fast um and i made the mistake of like when i started it i i uh i, I was listening to it on youtube and i i just kind of fast forwarded by accident to like a random spot and i was like all right whatever um and it was the part where we were talking about like you know just partying way too hard and like being dummies when we were like teenagers like doing kind of like you know, violent things or like you know, stupid shit. <laughs> you know, like just d- d- yeah. And it was like as I was listening to it, I was like, Wow! Oh, I hope there's younger guys out there, girls or people that just listen in general that are like, you know, recognizing that one, you can change for the better. Two, um, you said something that was really kind of hit me, and I was like, Shit! Like that is a heavy, heavy thing to say. But um, you were talking about like, don't stop trying to stop because it took me it took me 16 years and hundreds of phone calls psychiatrists psychologists doctors you name it you're like i tried it until i found what worked for me but like that idea of if you do persevere like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Like you can fix. You don't think that this is all gone. Like it's not. None of this in the moment. It does seem hopeless, but um, you know, it, it's definitely something that, like, you know, Vadim texted me uh the other day, and all he wrote was uh, or he wrote Eulogy? question mark Tommy, Tommy. That's dark <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and i kind of thought to myself that is it is really dark yeah. but at the same time um i think it's it's something that's important that we we talk about because it is the reality of what what our lives have been and and continue to evolve and i think that a large yeah. part of this podcast is 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 cathartic it's it's getting things out that one we haven't talked about and i think You and I have always had, uh, since we've reconnected, you know, we've always talked about things that are uncomfortable, Um, like yeah,
0: that yeah, and joking about them,
2: and just you know that
0: that's kind of how we dealt with it. But the idea, I like the idea of trying to help people in some way because I didn't know where to turn, and if there was like hardcore scene guy whatever guys doing a podcast where like you know i could get some helpful advice i would i would have been all over that i'd be like hey here's people like me maybe they know something that i don't so i really like the idea of trying to help people but listen to this matthew wrote us and he sent a okay old okay come on kids
2: that's meadows uh, that was meadows flyer production.
0: yeah so i'm i'll be posting this up Folks, you'll see it. Uh, It's Converge, American Nightmare, God Forbid, Death Threat, Striking Distance, Champion, Dead Blue Sky, All Else Failed, Red Chord, Shattered... It's every band (laughs) in the world. Every band in the world. Okay. So he says, I went to the show in 2002. Although Converge and God Forbid did not play. Oh, okay. I remember watching American Nightmare, and if memory serves me, All Else Failed moved up on the bill. I was only 13 and didn't know anything. During the, during the American Nightmare set, West definitely jumped on a table propped up by the crowd or something while they played. A lot of chairs were thrown too. I could be exaggerating this, but I specifically remember American Nightmare being absurd. You know, I never saw them. I would have liked to see one of America- their shows. I saw them at but, the
2: Rotunda um, with Converge, and it was... Yeah. their Their fan base is just fucking violent (laughs) some really fucking violent dudes that were into them and it was like it that was a wild show so matt also
0: writes uh thanks for doing what you guys do the show has really helped me i grew up in Doylestown and went to a lot of the staggered work shows we know some of the same people very cool to hear and i love that that's that's what i love to hear if this show could help anybody in any way That's fucking awesome. No, because I mean,
2: I think that's another part of this is like you and I have always had these conversations like with ourselves, like, you know, just back and forth. And like, like you said, we use (laughs) both of us have pretty dark sense of humors and we we joke about things that a lot of people wouldn't joke about or or would find offensive to joke about. But I think one of the things that um, we have always found at least solace in is, is that there's know that there's somebody else out there like you. That there's legitimately yeah. like if you think you're the weirdest person in the world, you're not. There's someone that that yeah. shares your ideals that you know that um, can empathize with what you're going through, um, and it, that's one of with um, especially with doing this. It's so nice just to you know it, I, I like the idea that when I'm when I listen back to the podcast, we have some of the questions that are consistent. So you get to hear how people, you know, how different people are going to respond to that question. Um, And I think one of the ones that kind of like with listening to people's responses is really, it's just like, oh, I'm not the only one like this. Like the one that like Brendan said, and he was talking about, um, I think the one of the questions was about his first, uh, like first hardcore show and he said yes. you know i'm i'm kind of glad i i thought about some of this stuff before he's like cuz when i turned 40 i don't know what happened but it's like my memory like my memory got wiped he's like i legitimately have to yeah. i have to really spend time like quietly thinking about something in order to kind of get my recollection in order before i answer um and that was just that was that like yeah. i thought about that for a second i'm like you know what i have i have noticed that like i've noticed like <laughs> I used to be really quick with um. – was i I've always been good with names. Not like if I meet you. If I meet you, I'm mm-hmm. going to fucking forget your name in three seconds. But like if someone said, hey, you know, what was that guy? He was the state treasurer of Pennsylvania. He killed himself on t- – R. Bud Dwyer. Like I know that – like in my head, I'm like I know those names, like historical things I'm good with. But for some reason, uh, I in the last year or so, I've been terrible – with uh I, I love jeopardy and i've just been I, I i'm i'm awful at it now and and it's a lot of it because of my my recall isn't as quick as it used to be and uh yeah I guess it's just my aging brain
0: it, we're getting there i'm looking forward to forgetting everything <laughs> when i turn forty but uh we'll have a lot of it documented <laughs> go here go back so. and listen to the stuff
2: you can go back and listen
0: <laughs> i'll just go back and listen if i and i'll be like Mem- remember this me- remember, remember when that happened?
2: happened when we did <laughs>
0: Well, this show is making me say, remember, in its full, yes, beautiful state. Go. So I'm, 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 I'm grateful for the show for that. You know, I also wanted to talk about just what's going yeah. on, like, in the world right now, because I, you know, it's, it's weird territory, because I see a lot of infighting online, like, no, you're, you're supporting it wrong, post a square, don't post a square. There's so, like, every time I look to do something, someone is saying the opposite, of of what it should be. And let me say this. I I I believe in speaking out and and making our position clear. Obviously that, you know, we're against racism and fascism and that uh there's obviously a huge huge 100%. huge problem in this country with police brutality and murder and racism and all of that. I don't think I don't I don't support people who have a platform and are not saying anything or or just saying some platitude like vote, just yeah. go vote. Like, what if, yeah. what does that mean? What if you know? What if I'm voting for <laughs> Hitler? Like, am am I doing my part by voting? Like, and that that's a whole other discussion though. But listen, what? How do you feel about this whole
2: thing? Uh, so as I think, so, I, I teach in a school where um, uh, like a hundred percent of my students are are black and brown. So uh. I I do feel very strongly about this. We actually talked about this a lot off the air yesterday before we started the um, started talking to Scott and like.
0: Yeah, I wanted to get into this more with him too, but we had some technical difficulties, and then we got started late, and everyone had to jump early. So I, I think
2: one of the things is what you said is that there's there's conflicting messages that are coming through, and there's times where. I've seen things that have personally kind of been it, it. I mean my initial reaction is like I'm angry when I see certain things and I go oof okay uh, that's a rough thing to look at. I I, I actually think a, a lot of uh, one of the things I was really good at when I, when I did work at the law firm was I was really good at looking at things in terms of what they call logical fallacies um, and that's like you know there's uh rhetoric has certain you know like when you argue with someone there's certain um kind of almost guidelines to be able to kind of frame your argument things that you shouldn't be doing so like you know like for example they call like um uh, like one thing you shouldn't do is like an ad hominem attack so like for example Keith you and I are arguing about something um we're arguing I don't know like abortion or something like that right um and it, rather than talking on the issue you go, Tommy, I know you had a DUI last month. So, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like you don't, you don't, you don't attack the person. <laughs> you, you go after the issue. You, you argue the issue, not, you don't argue from, the, you know, at the person or, um, you know, the argument from authority, meaning like, okay, so someone has a PhD in something that means I can quote them. And therefore your argument is invalid. It's like, no, like, people do research and study things. And it's like, you can still be wrong about things and be extremely smart you know, for Christ's sake, uh, Isaac Newton believed in alchemy. Like, that's... It was a, it was a large part of why he died. It was he, he ingested mercury. Like, he, really, he was really not... He was a genius. Like, he came up with calculus. He fucking developed, you know, laws of motion. Like, he fucking... He did all this stuff by the time he was fucking 23 years old. Like, he's a goddamn genius. He's probably the best mathematical and scientific thinker we've ever had. However, he made some wrong fucking decisions, man. Like, and, and I think that's... Where we have to be is i'm I'm trying my best to not engage in especially yes. the things where people are are going back and forth
0: i'm i'm yeah i'm I'm not getting involved in any arguments I don't like the back and forth and you know I'm gonna do what I can on my part and um I'm working on a guest that we can hopefully have a productive discussion around this with. I don't want to say what it is yet, but hopefully that will pan out. But what with yeah, with what little voice we have, we would like to try to help the cause. And, and I think
2: that's one of the, like yeah. where I I get into um where I get emotional about it too is like I think like I look at my my kids at school and like and I say my kids like they really are like when I'm teaching, like, during the year, they spend more time with me than they do their families. Like, they're with me for, you know, from, you know, 7.30, 7.45 in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, you know, by the time they get home and, like, go to practice or dance class or whatever they have after school-wise and they eat dinner and then do homework and then go to bed, like – the amount of time they spend with their families is, is minimal. They spend a lot of time with me. And I, I think that it, it's really it, it's heartbreaking to think that at any, at any point in time, I look at some of my like younger like the boys I have in my class. And I think about how much fun they are that, you know, in a in a few short years, someone would ever perceive them as a threat like that. That breaks my heart like it, it really does, because you look at it and go, he's a little boy. <laughs> he's a fun little kid that he he. Plays twenty four with me, and we play Uno at lunch, and we, you know, talk about Gangstar. Like, you know, we we like the same music, and uh, that if someone would ever treat him differently because of that, and actually, we've started the conversation at home, and thank God that you know, like Kelly and I have always um, made sure that the girls understood that, uh, you know, people of different colors, like that, that nothing of that matters. Like, you treat everyone the same. Um, regardless of their you know race religion creed whatever um however yeah there's been a, a lot of stuff where like they've come up with questions and I go I don't I don't have an answer for that like uh you yeah. know e- Evelyn said to me the other day and this is where uh like kind of what I got to with this was uh CNN did this thing where it was Sesame Street hosted uh like a panel discussion where they had like experts come in and talk, um, but it was facilitated by like Big Bird, um, and Elmo, uh, and, you know, like the, the characters that you remember from like, you know, Sesame Street when you were growing up, like Gordon and Maria, like those people were on there and they were talking about it in a way that was kid friendly, um, and made people, it made the girls understand uh, more of the the news aspect of it like because they knew like hey there was this video obviously they didn't expose them to the video but like hey there was this video that came out it showed a police officer doing something you know wildly inappropriate as a result of this this man died um, and people are furious because essentially you know he was he was committing a petty crime, let's be honest about it. He was trying to pass off a fake $20 bill. You know, when they you do that at the fucking casino in Ben Salem, they just fucking toss you out. Like, <laughs> they, they put your... Yeah.
0: I saw today, someone mentioned, like, Mark Wahlberg, uh, the actor, He in his Wikipedia article, he has a whole hate crime yeah. section that, that details all of his past hate crimes. And he still works, and no one ever talks about it. Yet... A man goes to buy a sandwich with a counterfeit $20 bill and is murdered. Let's not pretend that, you know, this country wasn't founded on genocide and that, you know, racism isn't a problem that still exists. It's a it's a major, major, major problem. And it's going to require such massive change to actually change. I really hope that this is the beginning of that change. I really do.
2: There was a really well-written article, and I don't remember who had it. Uh, I, It actually, I think, was um, – it might have been one of the more conservative sites. Like uh, I don't remember. I, it might have been like Daily Wire or something like that. But they were talking about like what defunding the police actually means. And one of the things is, is that um, – Police capabilities in the last decade or so, uh, maybe even longer than that, have really kind of militarized. If you've seen like what police yes. look like now, in terms of like when they go to execute a search warrant, when they go to execute a warrant on someone um, in a home, um, what it looks like, it, it is really, it looks like something out of it. it it's very, very much. A military operation, which I understand a lot of people that are in the police service, or police force have, you know, served in one of the armed services. But um, there's a difference between dealing with people in armed combat and, and dealing with the civilian population. It's, it's a wildly different thing. And for and to a lot of people. This and to a lot of cops and people in law, this is
0: probably just a job. Oh, yeah, like they don't give a, they don't give a shit about people. They don't give a shit about trying to talk to people, to help people. They're like, you know, I just want to punch my numbers. I want to meet my quota. I want to, you know, get this person out of here, whether or not they did anything. And then I'm, you know, I'm punching the clock and going home. But I'm gonna yeah, switch yeah. gears now, and let's let's talk about yes. the show. Now, we need more. We need more iTunes yes. reviews, so if you enjoy the show and you listen to the show, or not iTunes, we need more Apple Podcast yeah. reviews, so if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and you enjoy it, uh, rate us and give us some reviews, because apparently that helps okay. podcasts. Uh, I don't know how or why, but, <laughs> but, but you know. It's a do thing. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. And if you if you mess with uh pod if you mess with Podbean, that's where we're hosted, follow us on there. You know, if you I don't even know if you can review on there or comment, but do it. Comment, review, rate us, um, continue to write us at northeastscene at gmail dot com, right? And if you enjoy the show, uh post a instagram story or tell someone about us I've, I've seen a couple people have tagged us saying they enjoy the show or posting stories we really appreciate that thank you and the the flyers are still rolling in oh we need more twitter followers the twitter twitter is hard man it's like hard to get people there and and i'm lazy like i, I don't put as much effort into the twitter because like i do everything on instagram and then to go and then like repeat it all
2: on twitter i just i just don't want to that's one of the things we've gone over this before I have two Twitter handles I think at this point. I didn't get it. I I never I didn't understand it and I thought you know what was easier for me was I just went on Instagram and looked at people that screenshotted their twitters and I would go that's how I that's how I'm reading <laughs> twitters. It's like when I see someone yeah. go, "Hey, did you see what so and so said?" and then they like screenshot. It. I'm like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, that's great." I, I for some reason I, I don't know why I, it, it just seemed confusing to me. It takes a long time to figure
0: out, but if if you're if you're on Twitter, if you're in it, you have your mouth directly on the faucet. Like everything starts on Twitter and then funnels down to Instagram and yeah. then. Facebook. And actually,
2: I'm I'm actually really seriously considering not having Facebook anymore. I cause it, yeah, I got rid of it a while just, ago. I I I don't know. I don't want to like you know, not like Facebook's our sponsor or anything like that. For Christ's sake, but like I I just I like no I just. The more I go through it, the more I'm like, one, how is this deciding what I see? Because I see the same exact things over and over again. And it's the other thing is, is that I see it seems to be, and I don't know if this is what you, you don't have Facebook, so you can't really speak to this, but like the infighting and the amount of like, just yes, ignorant back and forths I've seen. The only time I got into arguments like that
0: were on Facebook, and ever since I, st- well, I sometimes I raise a little hell on Twitter too, and like, but yeah, a lot of that vicious back and forth always happens on Facebook, yeah. and I miss it, but uh, I don't miss being on Facebook. I don't know, it's it's it, just not for me. It's, it's overly, like,
2: it's it, it's it's overly dramatic, and then it's also, yeah. uh, this is a like a, a term I've been hearing recently. A lot of people on there that are just as the term "tone deaf." Have you heard that before? Like when, so- like when someone's just not—they're just not reading the room or they're not reading society very well, and they're just like, "Here's some shit yeah. that I think," and it's like, "Oof!" Like, yo, you didn't run that through a filter at all first. <laughs> continue to write us. Continue to listen to us. Uh, thanks, everybody,
0: for all your support. You know, we we love this. We love hearing from you. So that's it. Until the next one.